Blog Talk Radio. It's July 21st, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership, in some cases, that you're paid to represent. Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Now. Also follow us on Twitter. We hope that everyone had a wonderful week and that you had fun and stayed safe. Okay, let me bring on Jeff here, see how Jeff's doing, and... Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Um, uh, the uh, weather's been kind of uh, interesting here the last uh, little bit. Uh, you know, yeah. I, yeah, quite, you know, I mean, you got quite a bit of it there. I, mean, I think you're out of power right now. No, we were. I was out of power twice last night, and each time it was for like three or four minutes. But my computer is taking a hit, and it's trying to reload itself. Um, so I won't be on my computer tonight. Um, I'm sure we'll have a good show. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I know you have a lot to talk about yourself. Uh, and so, uh, um, uh, you know, you've got, besides uh, having your power issues there, uh, you, uh, you know, you, you can uh, discuss all those things you want to talk about that you've been telling me that you want to talk about. Uh, anything else going on on your side there? Um, no, it's, it's been so hot. I really haven't been outside a whole lot. Um, I just went out for a little bit to go grab a pizza and came back, and it's not as quite as hot as yesterday. That's for sure. But still, okay. um, this weather does affect me very strangely. Yeah, I mean, what what temperature did it get up to last week or last few days for you there? Oh, it was in the low nineties. I, I didn't hear you. The low 90s? Did it have a, a heat index to it as well, though? I'm sure it did, but I didn't see anything. Really. Okay. I'm sure it did. Yeah. yeah, I know here we had a in the Lansing area of Michigan, we had, um, you know, 94-ish, uh, and the heat index was well into the hundreds, 103, 104, so. It's yeah. Yeah. Uh, just that time of year. Things here, so uh, yeah. 
it's all you said it's hot there? No, it's that time of year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of a little distracted because I'm sending out some stuff here. I'll be just a second, so if you can uh, just bear with me a little bit. I think that's about it, so we're cool now, so. Okay, so having said all of that, uh, uh, you know, we've had that same heat here. Sorry about that. I, I just had to get out some things there real quick regarding the show to some other supporters here to ask some questions. Uh, so, um, yeah, the weather's been very hot here as well. You know, we didn't have any tornadoes that I know of. We had several very strong the thunderstorms go through. A couple of waves went through yesterday, one around 5 o'clock. Uh, they had the tall ships up in Saginaw that uh, um, uh, they had to get them inside because they had electric storm go through here, thunder and lightning. And those tall ships, they all have those high masts uh, to get them out of there. Then another uh, cell or line came through about between 9 and 10 o'clock, no matter, depending on where you lived in mid-Michigan here. So that was kind of an uh, uh, interesting day yesterday, for sure. Uh, so, uh, well, we I, had a, go ahead. In the Lincoln Park area, not far from me, um, this huge tree fell down, got knocked down by straight line winds, and landed on somebody's car. Oh, wow. Sorry to hear that. So we've had a few of those around. So. Yeah, there was there was some of that kind of stuff that went on in this area, you know, a uh, lot of trees are down, you know, there's just, some of the roads are still full of limbs and branches. I was out a little bit today and was able to see some of that. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, it's just been pretty, pretty rough. I, and, you know, we hope all the listeners were able to, you know, uh, uh, suffer all that weather uh, the best they could, you know, hopefully the people had air conditioners or able to get to air conditioner their area. Uh, uh, and air-conditioned area, and the uh, anybody that was working, I hope they gave you some some breaks, some additional breaks, and lots of water. Uh, to be in this kind of heat is uh, not a lot of fun. Uh, so, uh, although I think it didn't, it did get below 80 in the mornings. So I've seen some days when we were in the plant in outside temperature, 83, 84 in the morning and uh, headed back for the 105 and in the plant with those hot washers and things, it was well into the 125, 130 and you have to, you know, make sure that the repair people were available, you know, us guys and a couple of women would uh, get over there and spell some of the people on the very hot jobs. So got to look out for one another, you know, management might not care about us, but we got to. Okay. And if they, you know, balk at that, you know, maybe they need to realize just exactly what the cost of that could, could be to them if they didn't do that. They get somebody die in the plant, imagine what that's going to cost them. So, yeah, watch your efficiency go out the window then. So, um, uh, I know you, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, too, mm -hmm. too budget efficiency isn't always the absolute thing that everybody should be watching for, uh, you know, these supervisors and managers and uh, even some of the team leaders are under pressure to perform in certain ways. But 
uh, let's take care of our own, all right? Uh, so, uh, Jeff, we have a few announcements. I don't think you got them uh, in a form that you can read them real easy, so uh, I'll ask you for your comments on those that we we hit here, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of get through these. I'll, I'll go through them. First one, working for a radio show, continues Medicare for everyone to support the end of corporations being considered legal citizens, to support, support the UAW's boycott of Mexico-built Chevy Blazer, and opposes Detroit Three corporations to outsource and move work out of the United States while they continue to use the U.S. as a target market. A couple of comments there. Medicare for every, everyone uh, just simply moves the age from 65 down to zero. That doesn't mean that private corp, uh, insurance corporations go out of the healthcare business. There are going to be people that want to supplement that, have a little better, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, so there's always that Medigap insurance that's going to be available, but everybody get pretty much what, you know, what healthcare they need. Okay. Next thing is uh, the. Uh, uh, boycott of the Mexico-built Chevy Blazer. There are a lot of ads around right now, so make sure that when you get the opportunity, when you're seeing those ads on TV or at your movie theater or whatever, tell the person next to you or two or three people down, hey, you know that thing's made in Mexico? Simply, you know, let people know. Put the negative side to it. Don't let them just run this stuff down everybody's throat so they start trying to sell them. We're, we're, we support the boycott, okay, of our international union. That means we do everything in our power to stop the sales of this particular vehicle in the United States. They can sell them any damn where else they want to. But here, we're, we've been asked to take a stand by our international union, and we here on this radio show, support it four square, okay? There's a number of things that we do. Uh, you know, the red shirt uh, day, Wednesday, red shirt day, is another thing that we support. We'll hear more about that in a minute. Okay, so hey, you got any comments on that one, Jeff? No, no. Okay, no. all right. I'm going to ask you after each one, you know, I mean, if it's appropriate. So, Thanks to all our new list listeners. Please keep telling just one friend a week about our humble show. Again, many thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, I must say that our numbers are going up uh, every week, and we really appreciate that. At the end of the month, the uh, numbers are looking just great. Thank you for doing that. We have an enormous amount of uh, uh, listeners, and we don't really want to get into that publicly, but uh, it's good. Okay. Uh, so thank you very much for, for doing that. We hope you find value in our show. Thank you. Third one, uh, July 15th, Ford negotiate, National Negotiations Open. Any thoughts on that, Jeff, just now? I know we're going to talk about it later. Um, I guess so far, negotiators um, follow the Constitution and get, get the membership a good contract. Not a concessionary contract. It's time for us now. Right, it is. Our July sixteenth, GM and Ford or GM and FCA national negotiations open. You got 
more to say on those. I just want to get that in there. I know you got a couple more things to talk about on that later. Same thing. Just, just, okay. just the membership's time. Let's just get it done, guys. Right. Do your job. Right. right. Uh, July 16th, U.S. Senators call for an investigation of the Ford Focus and Fiesta transmission decisions. Comments, Jeff? Yeah, I had uh, a 2016 Ford Focus and a 2014 uh, Ford Focus. I was lucky. I only put very little mileage on my vehicles. And I didn't have any problems with my transmission, but I heard a lot of other people um, were getting recalls on them, and uh, they knew it. Ford knew it was uh, selling vehicles with bad parts, and that should never have happened. So, Mr. Bill Ford, uh, you need to step it up a little bit. Right. And when they make decisions, it has to be in the interest of everybody, the customer right. and our long-term viability as workers for the corporation. Okay. All right. Uh, number six, on July 16th, the Blackhawk Mining Company, LLC, is yet another major coal company that will be filing for bankruptcy soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, Trump was going to bring coal back. Looks like he kind of uh, lied on that part. I think a lot of coal miners are really regretting their vote in 2016 right now. Right. right. As you know, we have a union brother that's working some engineers uh, and is pulling together a uh, steel company. There's a couple of them going in. There's one, uh, uh, I don't want to get into details on it too much, but uh, they have developed uh, in, the, in the making of steel a carbon capture from the coal that they use to make the steel. And that carbon capture can then be uh, pipelined uh, to places where they have shale oil, and rather than pushing, you know, good fresh water down in there to push the oil or the shale oil back out, they can push this carbon capture that they've captured from this process back into the earth where it belongs, and push that shale oil and gas back up to the surface with that, rather than using good fresh water. So. That's about as clean a coal operation as you can get. It's not there yet, but this is also intended to be used for all coal-fired operations. So coal could make a comeback. It's just, you know, there's going to be a little period here before we can get uh, uh, these folks up to speed. We, I don't have anything to do with it other than try and get them some good PR on it. Uh, you know, Trump tried try to take credit for this prematurely, and it's it's there, and the technology exists. But understand, this is going to be a little while. You know, I've known about it for almost about 18 months now, 
and you know I think we reported on it uh, late last year uh, when Trump started trying to take credit for one of our brother's good hard work pulling all this together. Uh, also, I was made aware of, uh, I guess, Thursday morning uh, that the same engineers have come up with a process to take all recyclable waste, all recyclable waste, including emptying out the landfills and turning it into burnable fuel. And we've been asked to have the two engineers that developed this on our show here exclusively. So uh, look forward to that sometime soon. Uh, the same brothers working with these folks, uh, union brother, okay, retired. He didn't have to do none of this, just like we don't have to do none of this. But he's still out there doing it in the best, best interest of our country and the union brothers and sisters that do all this work. Thank you. I know you don't want us to use your name, but thank you for that, and we really appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, you know, coal miners, uh, we know it's it's a tough time right now. You're kind of in the little uh, bad spot. Uh, maybe uh, there's some hope and some light at the end of the tunnel for you. Um, there's a lot more coal than there is oil, et cetera, and uh We'll talk a little bit about that uh, later uh, regarding uh, oil and uh, atmosphere uh, being burned, any carbon fuels being burned uh, in the uh, the air. But uh, we'll get into that a little later in the show uh, regarding uh, the negotiations opening. So uh, having said that, uh, uh, July 17th, uh, Red Shirt Wednesday, uh, is having more and more of a, a positive effect and uh, greater participation. We want to thank everybody for doing that. Uh, got thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, just keep doing it. Keep wearing those yeah. red shirts on Wednesday. Yeah, you betcha. Uh, so we uh, let's see. We, uh, we the switchboard's filling right up here. I'll tell you, folks. Thanks for coming in and listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, see some friendly numbers here and very, very uh, uh, familiar numbers. So thanks, thanks for coming in here. Um, so we're still in the announcements uh, section here for those of you just uh, coming in here in the last minute or two. Uh, thanks for coming in, though. Uh, so uh, the 19th was the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Uh, gosh, I can tell you, I remember the day I was in basic training. You know, none of us got any news. So we didn't even know it was coming, uh, and they kind of held mail call up until later in the evening, and we were all kind of hanging around out in front while they threw out the letters to us. And uh, I got a letter from one of my high school, or she was uh, a high school girlfriend, and Debbie. Uh, she uh, had sent me a letter, so I was still holding that letter, and they pulled out a, a little tiny TV, tube type, and. All of us, they said, you got to stick around, you know. Um, they had us up late that night. We made sure we got up early in the morning. Uh, tough, you know, be out here, be out in formation in a minute. Good luck with that. Uh, and be shaved. <laughs> Try that. Uh, so, and and our, our friend there, Tom, he's, grand, he's giggling right now. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Most all 
military veterans know what I'm talking about. So, but uh, yeah, so we got to, to watch the the moon landing right there on the front of the steps, in a little over 100 degree heat, uh, in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, you got any thoughts on the, the 50th anniversary? Yeah, I think it was a really good time in our country. I remember watching it. I think I was 10 years old. Um, but, yeah, I sat and watched the whole thing. It was just awesome to see somebody walking on another planet. Um, I hope it, they say it's going to come back. They're going back to the moon soon. And... Uh, I'm all for it. So there's a lot of good scientific information we can get from up there. I right. guess they found water or something somewhere on the moon. Yeah, they they can do some really interest, interesting things in a zero gravity environment we can't do here on Earth, and there's just some amazing stuff going on. Uh, in some of these tests that they're doing there, you know, the international space stations up there all the time now. So, I think we're going to try and go to the moon again, and they're talking about going to Mars. We'll see. They've, you know, just started Space Force, so we'll see what that's all about. So, um, uh, next one, nine, July nineteenth, the Trump administration has made a rule change that will make it easier for workers to opt out of their union after being in the union for one year. Uh, this is just another reason that, that you can see that the current administration is doing everything in their power to destroy high-wage unions. Uh, and, you know, if they can, you know, kind of snuff out the uh, membership over time, uh, then, uh, you know, it would be harder and harder to keep unions alive. But... You know we're uh, we're getting stronger and stronger every time they do something like this. You know we're coming together more and more at the uh, ballot box as a un- union and a unified union. Uh, nobody's going to agree all the time. I hell I don't. And you know I used to set some of the policies or have a, a good a good in- input into setting the policies at least. You know, and uh, so uh, as people are sitting in these committee rooms and uh, interviewing candidates and and trying to hold candidates and elected officials to to what uh, what we deem important, you heard last week that the, the, all the building trades in Michigan have said to the candidate elected officials, start talking about labor issues or no pack checks. So all of this. You know, way out there on the far edges, uh, that better come to a stop. It just better come to a stop. Uh, yeah, because they're, and, you know, we're getting lockstep in all this. You know, I'm looking forward to UAW to come in and do that. We'll see what they do. I'm going to tell you, this, this is getting serious. We can't have the face of the center left looking like it's the far left. And, that's what most of us are, center left. People going into work every day, they, you know, they don't care about a lot of them issues way over there. On the, yeah, they have empathy for them, but don't make them, you know, right there on your shirt sleeve. You know, let's let's start focusing on the 
the real issues of labor. We got a lot of them. One of this is one of them. So, Jeff, you got any comments on that? No, you're you're right. Um, okay. The uh, elected officials haven't done much for the unions for the last twenty years or so. So, for them, it's time to get up and do the right thing as well. Right. Right. It isn't just organized labor, it's labor in general. You know, they've yes. set back and allowed, you know, minimum wage to languish at lo- levels that are not a living wage. Even minimum wage should be a living wage, and it was. It was. When we're talking about the space shuttle, minimum wage was a buck sixty an hour. First tier industrial wages were three dollars and forty eight cents an hour. That made them about 42% of first-year industrial wages. Okay? I mean, I did a little thing, Thai bar, a, a, a hamburger, fry, and a Coke from 1967 till today. And minimum wage should be $27.90 if you Thai bar to a McDonald's hamburger, fry, and a Coke. $27.90, people. You know, one of the things that's facing us the biggest, one of our biggest problems is people have gotten used to these low wages. And it's going to be hard to get them to really understand that they should be, even with the same pricing, wages should be at that level. Prices didn't get stifled. Okay. Um, uh, the last uh, one, number 10. Uh, There is a report out there, and we want to make sure that everybody understands this. This is very important, probably one of the most important announcements we have tonight. At least in General Motors, we know for sure, and uh, arguably in the other Detroit Three, and maybe in corporations across the nation that are unionized. Supervisors have been directed to talk with members about union issues, the contract, and their union issues in general. Now, there's a new ruling at the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, that's said if the corporation feels that the union no longer has uh, the majority interest, they can petition for certification withdrawal. In other words, they can ruin your union. You won't have one if you don't talk like you want it. So talk like you want it, and you'll keep those high wages. You start talking like you don't want it, and you'll go back down to 18, 15, 16, 8 bucks, $18 an hour, maybe 20 at best. You know, I had a, a coworker when I was working at the parts warehouse, and a trustee came to me when I was walking out, and he said, hey, I'm having trouble with Loopy over here. You know, uh, Lopez was his last name. His nickname was Loopy. Okay, for I don't know. He was a good guy, I guess. But he, he says, I says, what's going on? He says, well, Loopy wants to work at General Motors without a union. Oh, I said to him. I turned to Loopy and I said, hey, I can help you. When do you want me to write the letter? As soon as you can, Leroy. I says, okay, I'll, I'll start drafting it. Uh, you do understand that, that letter, the only place that you can work for 
General Motors without a union is down in the Maquilladoras down there in Mexico. So we'll see to it that you get transferred down there. You can make 35 cents an hour. He looked at me. He says, don't write the letter, Leroy. I said, okay, I just want to accommodate, brother. Okay. Because that's what you get when you don't have a union. And some of the people listening to this were close enough to hear that conversation. And the brother that came to me that was trustee was later vice president of that local union and remains a 32-year-long friendship at General Motors with me. Okay, so that's why he came to me. He knew that I would have a quick answer for him, and I did. I didn't blink an eye. I just snapped it right out. So um, if you don't think you want a union, you go ahead and you go down there and work for them $2.50, you know, 3 bucks an hour, whatever they, they claim that those are down there in the, in the assembly plants down there in the lower part of Mexico. And it's, I think, uh, what they say, dollars, dollar ten, something like that in the Maquiador area still. You can, you can count on that. Uh, being a part of the wage base that you have here if you don't start talking up your union when management talks to you. But our recommendation is the second management asks you anything about your union, you simply say, please put in a committee call for me regarding union business. And you don't say any more. That ends the conversation the second you put in a committee call on the issue. When the committee person comes, you tell them that that's taken place. Please take note of it. The supervisor is trying to farm the membership and perhaps destroy our union. And you make note of that. And the union bargaining committee makes note of it and takes that to the table. Because everybody's in negotiations now. National and the, the locals will be opening soon. Okay, so uh, with that, that's the last of our. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. Did you have any comments on that? No, you hit it right on the head, right? Okay, thank you, Jeff. I don't, you know, I don't want you to just say yes, but I kind of, you know, some of these things I go into some detail. Uh, but thank you for affirming that. Uh, so. Um, you know, many thanks go out to our worldwide investigative reporters that come up with all of this stuff, and to our worldwide listeners. You know, thank you uh, for listening every week. We really appreciate it. So, uh, Jeff, I know you have the messages and email. Uh, you know, are are you able to read them, uh, every other one, or or not, uh, brother? No, no. Uh, okay. I'll, you know, I'm sorry you're out of power there. So, we're, listeners, just bear with us, with us, uh, so we can uh, get through this. Because I'm going to have to read them all, and I'll try and keep them uh, pretty brief. Oh wow! Yes, and then I read the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, messages and email. Leroy, can you explain what you said about paying off Social Security by May 1st? Name withheld. Well, I know most of the workers today what I'm talking about. The wages have been suppressed so badly, you don't, it's not even in your world or your concept 
so let me explain it. Currently, you pay social, you pay income tax, and then they take out Social Security as well. Okay. Well, there's a point where you don't have to pay Social Security anymore. Okay. In other words, they stop taking out Social Security for the balance of the year once you reach that number. And that number used to be, you know, a number that was like, you know, I don't, I can't recall the number, but we'd pay it off. They would stop taking Social Security out for the balance of the year sometime around the 1st of May, plus or minus a week. You know, some people might have been as late as Memorial Day, anybody that's, you know, maybe sick leave or something, you know, Labor Day or something like that, you know, they had to catch up. But we paid it off by the 1st of May. In other words, they stopped taking out of us for the balance of the year. Okay, today that number's $132,900. That's the amount that we paid off by the 1st of May. Now, I say that because, you know, the government hasn't cheated itself when they raised their Social Security minimum payout. Okay, so what that meant, if we paid off, if they stopped taking out Social Security, okay, by May 1st, that's what we made. That was a third of our income. That's four months. So a third of your income would be, you know, two th- you times that by three, and that's what you made for the year. In this case, today, think about this, people. If you paid off your Social Security, in other words, they stopped taking Social Security out for the balance of the year sometime in, you know, plus or minus a week in first of May, from the first of May. So that means that you paid off. That means you've already made $132,900. And for the balance of the year, the next two, two-thirds, you would still make money, right? And if you made it at the same rate that you made it for the first four months, then you'd be making $399,000 a year if you kept up with the government Social Security you know, payoff. Okay, you heard me say tie bar, you know, McDonald's hamburger, you know, what the minimum wage should be. So you can see the wages have been suppressed just unbelievably. That was our buying power back in the late 70s. I know it's, you know, almost ridiculous today to say that, but that's what the, that's the kind of money we made. And that's why your leadership's constantly asking for more, because they realize that's what we used to make. But it's not hitting the membership level yet. And they better start remembering, if they're taking big wages for themselves increases, that we want some big wage increases for the membership. All kinds of ways you can pay for that. So I hope that explained the payoff of Social Security by the 1st of May, and the kind of money that was our buying power at time back in the 70s. They stopped taking money out of your paycheck because you've already earned $132,900 by the first week in May. You think that you might be in the 350 at least by the end of the year. That's how much wages have been suppressed. 
and there's a leak in the revenue bucket that goes over into life insurance. It comes back into the corporate executive suite as tax-free pension money. And that's why we're not making that much money anymore. Billions are being siphoned off by the corporate executives, causing all kinds of problems. Arguably, the bankruptcy of GM happened because of that. We could make that case. Think about it, people. Yeah. A lot of things out there they need to take a look at. We'll get into that a little more. Okay, number two. In support of your comments about the Democratic Party, especially the candidates, uh, the person goes on to say, I spoke with a, a business owner from Saginaw, Michigan, area from the Saginaw, Michigan area, who said he's always been a Democratic supporter at the polls and financially, but he believes they are leaving him behind. They are going too far left, he said, end quote. Name withheld. Obviously, you know, we kind of think the same thing here. We're losing membership on a daily basis, and that's been reported to us by all manners and and corners uh, of our our union, uh, you know, we hear you. We really do hear you. If you're at the fork in the road, just think about what Trump just did to make it easier to take your union and try and destroy it. It should be an epiphany on who he is. But more importantly, talk to your local officials and start telling them, elected officials, hey, this is enough. You know, Jeff, you got comments on that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Democratic Party has forgotten about the working class for the last know, 20 years. So they need to get back on track. And like you said earlier, if they don't get on track, they don't get no campaign funds from labor. I got you right. Good part of labor, you know, a good part of labor. That, you know, there's still some unions out there that haven't made that decision, but you know, there's some issues out there, you know, that they need to start uh, getting in line with. You know, anyhow, we'll get, maybe get into that another show. Just getting a little bit long. I haven't even got through the emails yet. Um, okay, three. If I'm being sexually harassed, someone help. You to stop that are both the person and I from retaliation. Name withheld. Uh, well, we're not attorneys, but our understanding, and you can talk to your own personal attorney. I believe they'll, uh, conf- you know, affirm what what I'm about to say. That Title Seven. And you're, oh, you don't have to go to your attorney either necessarily. You can ask your civil rights chair, okay, from your own local union, because they enforce this law. They're trained in it to the degree they probably could be a better attorney at it than most most attorneys. Although, you know, if you have an issue, make sure you always talk to an attorney. All right? So, but um, you're protected if you jump up and say, I'm being sexually harassed. Please stop that. And you have the right to use a progressive 
method to try and get it to stop. In other words, ask the person twice to stop it. Then you can actually, if you're outside the plant, then you can actually go to the police and say, I've asked this person to stop it twice. Now you arrest them. And they will. Twice. That's it. So, um, and that comes from a friend of mine who's Michigan State Police retiree. Right? So, uh, yeah, you got two two chances of that. Sometimes they still don't listen. Then, you know, it's recommended you go to your union. And if a union officer or the, you know, civil rights chair attempts to help you, they too are protected from retaliation. If the person doesn't stop, then, you know, call the hotline. That's what it's for, right? And then management gets into it. They start investigating. They might even bring in a third party to do the investigating. So they don't have liability in it. A third, un, you know, unbiased third party. And unbiased means they have no interest in either party. They don't know either party. They have no axe to grind with either party. They're not, they're not happy or glad with either one of you. And that really holds a lot of water with corporations when they make their decision and a court of law if they get to that point. So, and then, you know, sometimes, you know, if they don't stop, I mean, you know, these corporations, they got an obligation because they can be sued. They will discharge them. They're going to protect their interests. Okay. But if somebody retaliates on the person they harassed, that, that's opening up themselves for a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of trouble in a court, in civil and criminal, from what I'm, I'm being told. Now, again, you can talk to your own lawyer, and I'll bet you your lawyer will tell you uh, you have treaded on really, really sacred ground. You better be careful about that. And... You know, you don't see many women on our show, but believe me, we have a lot of women supporters in our leadership circle. These issues come up from time to time, and we bring these to the the show as appropriate. Believe me, this isn't an old white man group here, believe me. And it's not all white group either. We embrace everybody. Everybody that has an interest is welcome. As long as they abide by the UAW Constitution and federal laws, they're happy to be here. And we're happy to have them. So uh, that's that's about the sexual harassment thing that we better get in. That's about all we better get into it here. Jeff, you have any more comments on that or just, you know, I mean, is that okay? Uh, additional things that you want to say? Um, people may want to look into the uh, accusations from the Chicago, Ford Chicago assembly plant. There are some major problems there twice, one 20 years ago 
another one about two years ago. And it was um, same plant manager, same UAW chairman. And she got really ugly down in Chicago. And the judge ordered all the Ford plants to hold a diversity class. Uh, they started that class, and it didn't go well either. There are spikes in, in the room on the, those classrooms. But Leroy's right. Document. Get a hold of your union rep. You know, follow the chain of command. Just don't go outside the police until you do. Just go to your union first. Um, it's a serious matter. You know, and... Sometimes people think it's cute and funny, and and sometimes it's not. But you hit it on the head, they right. Right. I believe that was Ford forced to pay a, a huge fine down there in the millions. Yes. Yes. Okay. So these corporations aren't playing anymore based on some of that stuff. If you're out there causing them liability, you're going to get addressed, right? If your union officers come to you, you better pay attention because you're on the radar. If somebody even raises the issue, you're on the radar. Stop what you're doing. Okay? I've assisted, since this radio show has gone on, three different women that have been sexually harassed in the plant. And because I use a documentation like Jeff just said, documentation plan, make a book on them, take it to your union best you can. But if you can't, you got to call the hotline. I mean, you know, some of these guys are just, you know, horrible to women. You know, nobody wants anybody to be discharged, not a soul. But you can't do that to the people either. Okay, you just can't do it. And if you're asked a dozen times to stop by everybody on the doggone planet, you better be stopping, or you're going to face, you know, either legal charges or loss of your livelihood. And that's happening sometimes. So sorry for that, but that's the way it is, pals. You got to straighten that shit up. All right, uh, number four. Uh, why am I used to force my vacation? all of my vacation allotment during the first part of July, and that leaves me no days throughout the rest of the year to deal with my children issues, name withheld. Again, this is a, in large part uh, young single uh, parents, mostly women, you know, they're trying to deal with children. I mean, we, we you know, most all of us have had a, a child. You know, kids get sick. You know, these schools are an incubator for, for you know, Colds and, and flu. You know, why? Because, you know, the corporations have been allowed to get away with too much lately. And this is an issue, again, that we're sticking up for young single moms and some fathers that are in this pre- precarious position. That's wrong. They shouldn't be doing this to you. You ought to have a few days available throughout the year in order to deal with, you know, children or family issues beyond FMLA. 
and that's the other alternative, you know, and that gets used, and now they're trying to come after us for abusing it. So, Jeff, you got comments on that one? No, you were right. Well, they got to change it, you know. I mean, you can't be taking their vacation away just because you want them to take it the first week, week, first part of July. You can't use it all then. And a lot of temporaries are in that situation. We're, we got a couple of things going on with temporaries that we're going to try and get to the national bargaining team so they have a little more ammunition. You guys need all the help you can get this time. We're going to try and help you. Okay. Um, last one here. Uh, <laughs> this is a statement uh, by somebody, and we don't want to out the name here, but uh, this is an observation of the General Motors uh Ceremonial handshake, opening of negotiations. Look at the F in color. The B is wearing green. You really don't think she knows that she is wearing the color of greed? Money, money, money is all GM cares about. Name withheld. Jeff, you got any comments or just, you know, it's a statement? He's right. Well, I don't know if it's a he or she. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, Jeff, you want to go with this week's definition? I can't get to it, Leroy. Oh, you can't get to it? No. All right, I'll I'll take it then. Uh, uh, and pe- listeners, please bear with us because if you join the show late. Everybody's out of power but me, <laughs> okay? So everybody's working off of their cell phone, and some of it they can get to, me and some of our, our, our uh, some of the leaders that kind of, uh, you know, uh, cue us from time to time uh, when we need you know, either support or, or whatever in our comments. There's Everybody's working, and nobody's got any power. There's very few out there in leadership here that we have uh, that may have power, but... Uh, uh, and maybe we'll bring one of them on here in a minute. Uh, just give me a minute. I see a hand up. I see it up. Just give me a minute. Let's get through these these quotes and definition. Definition this week is CBA. That means a collective bargaining agreement, whether it's a national agreement or a local agreement from any union to a corporation or company that they are dealing with. That's what it is, CBA. A lot of young people don't know that yet. We're trying to bring you up to speed on some of this stuff. So if you have other young people that you'd like to have educated and hear real union talk, okay, from experienced people, you know, you can, I mean, Jeff and I collectively have, uh, oh, geez, Jeff, I don't know, you're over 30, and I'm I'm right at 50, a little over 50. That's 80 years between us that we've been doing union stuff. So just the two of us. And we got other folks, you know, 30-plus and, and more that support us, you know. So if we have a question, believe us, we can believe, believe it. We can get it answered for you somehow. All right. So and this week's quote, uh, this is a good one. This is really cool here. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. This is going to surprise you who said this. 
President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he was well ahead of his time, believe me. Okay, well, there you go. I think we got a hand up. Let me see if this uh, is. Uh, I kind of give him a little heads up. See if we can bring him on. Uh, is, did you have your hand up for a reason there, brother? Yeah, it's been up for an hour, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to take a rest here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I do want Leroy. What's that? How you doing, Leroy? I'm okay. I just saw your hand up. I not really. I did see the, the switchboard a while ago, but I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to hands up. So we're doing okay here. Yeah, um, I'm sure you have some input. To some of the stuff we've been talking about. Um, did you take notes? I'm sorry. No, I didn't uh, for, take everybody's, for everybody's edification, uh, please welcome Tom Albright, uh, better known as Tom Albrecht, to the radio show. This is somebody I've known since I was around 10 or 11. And his cousin was a basketball player at a high school in the Youngstown area. They went and played for the state finals and uh, in a really surprising game lost. Uh, so they were state runner-up. So, And Tom coached a, a local high school there, basketball, for some 20 years. And he's a GM retiree. Okay, Tom. Yeah, Leroy, uh I, I've been listening, and I'm in the same position that apparently Jeff is. We had a little thunderstorm here, and we had a little power outage. The power's back up, however, with us. Lost my Wi-Fi, but running off the data stream here following the program. Uh, a lot of good, interesting, interesting things that I'm, I'm chasing here. And uh, the, the lead thing that I'm working on right now, Leroy, for the group is uh, – exactly what you stated earlier in the program about the supervisors being instructed to uh, fish for information with the, the employees on, on the uh, floor. Also, uh, I, I'm working on a lead here with several uh, national syndicated reporters that have been following this story since back in November in regards to what really happened at Lordstown in regards to why were we the only plant close so early uh, and, and lose uh, first and second shift after the announcement. Uh, so we're working on that issue, and uh, I should have some more information. I had a meeting today. I had lunch Friday with an individual out of the Detroit area, and uh, it seems to uh, be kind of funny that uh, that fire uh, at the uh, – Solidarity House, I think it was on the third floor. That was their legal department, wasn't it, Leroy? Uh, I, I'm I'm not going to make a comment on that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure it was the second or third floor, uh, but I'll, I'll uh, things could have moved around in Solidarity House, so I'm not going to say because I I really you know I don't know for sure, quite frankly, Tom. And I'll, you know, stuff has moved, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what office it was. I'm not even sure if it, if it was a shredder machine that got overheated. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it seems coincidental that uh, also there was a request put in uh, to the court system about that case there, 
uh, in the, uh, uh, going to hear here shortly, I, ho- I would hope, in regards to uh, uh, temporaries and not allowing our people to move to uh, another location, uh, even though we've been laid off for some time. But also there's a story out there that uh, our people here down in Lordstown, uh, there won't be one person left by the end of August. Everybody would have received a letter going someplace, uh, either voluntarily or forced, uh, which is a sad situation for all our people down here. But uh, right. that's about all I have, Leroy. I'm I'm following along with you here, and uh, I'm working hard uh, uh, in this heat. But uh, hopefully, we can get some closure on on that one issue. Uh, everybody be hushed mouth uh, when you try to get a hold of the international or or the corporation for, for real information here but if if you can connect connect the dots who breached who and when was the breach of contract committed by what party and uh, it, it, it's really confusing sometimes what you're hearing from some of these reporters have talked to the key players on both sides of the fence so we're trying to put that together, and we'll try to get it to you, Leroy, and then hopefully you can report out on it. And uh, I, I hope uh, to God that, uh, you know, the, the powers at General Motors certainly uh, need to come back off of this vindictiveness if uh, certain issues really did transpire as the way I'm hearing them happening. But uh, that's that's down the road. We'll put a a cap on this thing when I get all the information. Right. You, you know, you and I have discussed it, and I've kind of passed that on to our inner circle, uh, our discussions. Uh, so our discussions are circumspect, but at the same time, uh, there is a paper trail and uh, that's, that exists now, and uh, it, it, the dots can be connected. Uh, we're just not going to say anything at this point. So we kind of know why. If if you just go through the the, the old articles, uh, you can really connect the dots. Uh, we don't want to be too cryptic here either. Just know there's uh, some stuff out there that's really uh, uh, bad, and a lot of people may have uh, been displaced. Uh, for a breach of contract, uh, so we'll see how the you know probably we'll, we'll maybe see where the, the, the lawsuit goes with this because it'll probably come out there in the end. Uh, and you know just know that we've kind of connected all the dots and uh, it's not not good. You got to be careful who you elect as your leader, okay, or your leaders. Be careful, okay. Now having said that, I'll, I will say the following, that David Green did a yeoman's job uh, in doing everything he did with that local union to try and keep work there. Uh, And uh, what we're talking about has just come out in the last little bit. So he was unaware, maybe even through today, uh, Tom. So it could be that he's unaware to the, you know, what the dots that we've connected here. So uh, just know that uh, like Tom said, it's expected that these people that are there, everybody's going to be gone. So retirees are going to step up to the window. And, and if you're listening, consider taking a position 
I'm sorry, taking an office. Yeah, I had that discussion earlier this week. Taking an office with the uh, the lo- local unions. And by the way, these are not positions. They're offices. And if you hold an office, it's not just for an eight-hour day, typically. You know, we got in that discussion. You know, I mean, leading up to the Constitution Convention, I was putting 12-hour days in. And I did that for about two years, solid. You know, I was doing a lot of things. I was helping on a uh, deal that we were successful in. And, of course, you know, doing all the stuff that takes to run the, the show and keep everybody appraised largely individually. Uh, so it's it's this, even in retirement, you know, think about the guy that's retired and pulling all these engineers together. He's doing 10-hour days. 10-hour days. Even in retirement, 74 years old. Just a hell of a guy. You know, so uh, it, if you're truly committed to unionism and the membership, you're not just collecting a, a paycheck. You know, we don't we don't get paid for nothing here. Jeff, Tom, I, the others, in support. You know, some of them are act. Most of them are active, actually. You know, so you folks, you need to understand these. These aren't positions. There are there are offices that represent the membership. If you think it's a position that you just go there and collect a paycheck, wave at people and glad hand them, and not represent the membership, you're in the wrong business. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, Jeff, what do you want to talk about tonight? You had a couple issues. We got the opening of negotiations. Uh, I think you've read. The uh, uh, Gary Jones statement. You got any comments on the Gary Jones statement? No, I have the, his uh, statement right here in front of me that okay. I can read to people. All right. Um, well, I don't know if you need to read the whole thing, but go through the highlights and see if you got any comments on them. Because if you want to read it, go ahead and read it. I don't want to tell you what to do. It's your job. Okay. You know, you're, you're, uh, it's your Go ahead and read if you want. UAW, UAW International President Gary Jones GM Handshake Ceremony, July 16, 2021. At the Detroit Marriott Ambassador Ballroom at 10 a.m. Good morning, UAW, UAW brothers and sisters, fellow UAW board members, and members of our great bargaining councils. Good morning, members of the GM leadership. Mary, thank you for coming to this important event. I'd like to start by recognizing the hard work of the UAW GM department led by my brother and friend, Vice President Terry Dudas and the members of the GM National Bargaining Committee. It is an honor to be here today on behalf of the greatest workforce in the world, my UAW family dedicated, hardworking men and women who day in and day out get the job done. UAW members have been the backbone of General Motors for more than 80 years. They are the loyals of employees 
they are your most loyal customers. And they have supported GM through thick and thin. They have believed in this company and have exclusively purchased cars and trucks they have made with their hearts, hands, and mouths. Lost my place. In fact, GM is the most profitable of the big three in North America since the 2015 contractual negotiations. That message, which I have heard loud and clear of our membership is, just as the UAW's workers have been here for GM, our UAW bargaining team was charged with making that, making sure that GM will be there for them. We all know that we have seen a race to the bottom over the past several years for working men and women in this country. Custom benefits, retirements, security and jeopardy, job loss, wage loss, more and more temporary workers, shipping our jobs to Mexico and China, and outsourcing our good General Motors jobs to other companies, paying lower taxes, paying lower wages in, in the United States. Well, what I want to say today is I want GM's leadership to hear this. Is this year's negotiation, we will halt the race to the bottom. We'll, we will protect this workforce, their jobs, and their way of life. We go into this bargain season at a time of plenty. We will hammer out agreements that value our contributions and looks for GM to a prosperous future. As we look into 2020 and beyond, I want to make it clear that the UAW is committed to building the product manufacturing automation process in the future. Our members are, our, our membership is standing strong, and my brothers and sisters are really just ready to do whatever is necessary to get on the contract that is this time of record profits they deserve. Sorry, people, I'm reading this off my phone. <laughs> um, we invested in you. Now it's your turn to invest in us. I'm sorry to say that GM has the fastest shrinking footprint here at home in these United States of America. Speaking on behalf of my brothers and sisters, know this, we will leave no stone unturned to protect our brothers and sisters at the locations put on the block. We call on GM to keep these plants open and allocate more product on American soil if it can be done. In fact, just recently GM announced a $150 million investment in the Flint truck plant in the bottom of in the addition of 1,000 jobs and 400 new jobs that will be added at the Lake Orion plant. $90 million and then shift 
full shift in the Bowling Green for the new mid-engine, mid-engine Corvette. The UAW enters the bargaining session in good faith for GM and will continue to move forward on this Made in America course. For our part, our sisters and brothers are ready for new technologies and that will define the auto industry in the decades ahead. We will bargain hard to ensure UAW members are provided with the training, the tools, and safe environments to, as always, more than and keep pace with the industrial advancements. Uh, and we would take this issue of Russia and shorten it that eight-year window. I will tell you that the UAW is excited to be part of involving workforce, EV, provision, and energy shortage, autonomous vehicles, related components, newly new modifying business, mobility, business, and joint ventures. We welcome progress and our role in that progress. Okay. That is, that is also why we need to address the issues of the temporary workers and outsourcing. So as we kick off the 2019 negotiations today, and I say to everyone listening, everybody in this room, we are the voice of the American worker. We are the defenders of the working class, and we are ready to talk. Thank you. That's his opening statement at GM negotiating table last week. Um, Sounds good. Let's see how he plays the game. Right. Jeff, I, I want to point out that that's, that's one of three opening statements he made. Uh, and for the most part, uh, with few uh, specifics to General Motors, uh, you can uh, replace the name GM with either Ford or FCA, and it was basically, uh, in my understanding, the same speech to them as well. We don't want to think that this is just focused on GM because the other two made essentially the same speech. We do have his full uh, statement uh, there uh, that Jeff just read to you. So we didn't get those from Ford or FCA. I don't think they were public that we saw at least. So. Uh, you know, so Jeff, as some of you may know, is a Ford retiree. I'm a GM retiree. Uh, so, um, uh, so that's what was said. Okay. Um, you know, we're a caucus here, and we ran as slave candidates, some of whom got nominated and some of whom didn't for a variety of reasons, uh, and we won't go into that here. But the, to have competition that's formidable 
and genuine and serious. Only even in, in when you're not successful only serves to make the existing caucus stronger and better. And if you really read some things from us, including our bios, and listen or read this, I'll put it on the page, the website here, that Jeff just read, you'll see some things in there that are not said, but they're um, being said, and maybe not have been said if uh, they didn't have competition. So just know competition is good, even if you're not successful. You make the other incumbents just that much better. Okay, that's what we aspire to do here for the membership in success or from a uh, uh, minority position where we don't have elected officers there. So we try to do the best for our membership, all of our membership. You know, so uh, some other things that weren't said. The notion of the future changing, our leadership is well aware of. And we'll get into that when we get into what Mary said. Our leadership's well aware of. They didn't say it. He didn't say it uh, outright. But they know the industry's changing yet again. Personal transportation will always be paramount here in the United States. You'll see more and more mass transportation, but personal transportation is going to stay strong and vibrant. And that's what we, what we build. You know, what the retirees built and what the actives and future workers will build in our building. So as it changes, our union leaders know that we need to change with it. We need to change our skill sets and things. That's not been said in what he really said there. But that was that's that's something, and it's important that uh, he he alluded to it, okay, but didn't necessarily say that. The other thing he said, but didn't elaborate on, was that we'll leave no no stone unturned. Now think about what stones are out there. That, you know, we've been throwing that they could pick up and rethrow if they need to. First of all, everything that's in our Constitution by the National, or the, the Wagner Act, enforced by the National Labor Relations Board, the corporation is beholding to accept, and that means that unions are in the interest of the membership, not the corporation. So any competitive clause agreements that require our leadership to make them more competitive 
are unconstitutional in our UAW Constitution, and that has to be accepted by both our leadership and the corporation. That's one. Been hearing us talk well before others have been talking about it. Thank you. Uh, flattery is the greatest. Uh, I'm sorry, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. We appreciate that. Thank you very much for all of you. And we actually kind of brag about that a little bit because, as and we need it. Uh, as you jump up, that means it takes a little heat off of us because it's not just us saying it anymore. <laughs> so thank you because uh, we. You know, no longer are the only target that they could come after and try and stop. So it's, as it gets legs, the more and more people say that you're going to enforce the Constitution on the corporation, especially the thing about temporaries, no more than three consecutive months. That's where the 90 days came from. That needs to go back and be in there. If you want to have a, uh, you know, a pathway to progression that's longer or shorter than what you had, that's up to you to negotiate at the table. The notion that 90 days is it is cut in stone. That's in our Constitution. No longer than, no greater than three months. Okay, that's it. That's it, folks. Abide by the Constitution. So those are some of the stones that they can throw at the corporation, and the corporation has to be beholding to those. If not, arguably, they are uh, doing a, uh, a bargain or a unfair labor practice, bargaining in bad faith. Okay? Or at least unfair labor practice. Maybe not bad faith, because they haven't broken anything that they've been doing, but they have to abide by our Constitution, because they accept us because we're certified with the NLRB. As long as you, the members, tell them, yeah, you want to have a union. Because you start telling them no, pretty soon you'll get what you want, right? So those are some of the things that weren't said. They didn't get into, also, they did not get into specifics. Okay. Uh, another thing that's out there is the debt peasants insurance. It's unclear uh, exactly if or how they're getting it, if they are. Uh, we believe they are because of some uh, information that's public in the public domain, especially regarding Ford, CEO, uh, in the past. Uh, so we think that's still there. The parties know uh, and that's another stone that they could pick up uh, and overturn it, you know. So when he says we're going to leave no stone unturned, uh, you know, there's three big ones, you know, competitive clauses, temporaries, and dead business insurance, also known as corporate life insurance. And we explained that pretty regular here on the show. Uh, we won't need to get into that. So uh, not tonight at least. So... Uh, anything else that you think can think of, Jeff, that, or, or Tom, that he didn't say that uh, was sort of implied or um, just not said that uh, is in the quiver? We don't want to tip everybody's hand here, but uh, we certainly want to make them uh, more, uh, you know, available to everybody know what's available out there to them. Any, anything else? 
Go ahead, Jeff. I'm thinking about um, our wages should have been mentioned and our benefits should, should be improved as per uh, the Constitution as well. Um, and these guys and women on the International Executive Board got a huge raise last year for basically nothing. And a lot of us know it. The whole membership knows it. And I think if we don't come back with a good contract for the membership, it's going to be voted down because these people are mad as hell that they got such huge raise. And that was shame on the delegates who voted in favor of those raises. 32%, 33 percent. That's unheard of. Just they better be aware of it. So I can say anyway. Are you, I think you read it, Jeff, early on in the Constitution. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what the Constitution says about wages and hours? That is one of their Okay, I'll help you out. So ever higher wages and ever lower hours. Right. Okay. Also, uh, uh, to protect the pensions. Okay. Exactly. Protection of pensions. And when they eliminated pensions, they were in violation of the Constitution. Every one of them could have been brought up on Article 31 charges and had their membership taken away from them. If they had a real serious caucus out there, they might have had that happen. So don't violate the Constitution this time, brothers and sisters. So uh, it was interesting watching that video. you got to pay real attention to that, that video. Who shook hands with who at the, before it all started? You know, how the ceremonial handshake went? Who stood and, and who didn't stand? You know, a lot of trepidation by the bargaining teams this time. The other thing that wasn't said before I get into Tom is they they brought all three of the negotiating teams in for the General Motors announcement, ceremony. All three of them, FCA, Ford, and GM, all the bargaining teams were there. Now, you know, they do things for a reason, Okay. They do things for a reason. Was that to send all three of them a message that there will be no target this time, that all three of them are going to go out if they go out? We don't know. It's an issue here on this show so everybody understands it. There may not be a target this time, folks. might be everybody because they brought all three teams in for this announcement. So there might not be a target. We'll see. You know, I think, you know, it's about time if they do it right and they make sure that they have a strikeable issue that's uh, unfair labor practice when they go out. They can't permanently replace you. They might temporarily replace you if they can. 
Okay, if they can, remember, we're still out there, and we're going to enforce our strike line, picket lines. Okay? We're going to enforce them. We will enforce our picket line. Some of us may go to jail over it. But we will enforce our picket line. And everybody needs to know that. You ain't come in and take our jobs. And they can't permanently replace a retiree. Can they, Jeff? Okay. Tom, do you have any uh, thing that you saw in his statement that was unsaid? I know you've been thinking about it here. Yeah, uh, basically what they put in in 2015 in regards to uh, how we fund the pension fund and uh, when it drops below 80%, and then then again if it drops below 60%, I think they need to rethink that language altogether. And uh, we all see what's happening in Washington with the Lewis Act Act down there in in, in Washington uh, uh, in regards to the dual-payer pension funds uh, uh, for the Teamsters. But uh, we definitely need to get that language out of there. Uh, I don't know what your feelings are. I, I, I don't feel very comfortable uh, associating our pension based on uh, the stock market going up and down the way it uh, may happen here very shortly. But uh, the other right. thing that uh, maybe people forget about putting in the mix here, they can bring all the replacement workers in in the world. But if they have the... United Transportation Workers that uh, deal with the rails and the uh, the uh, Teamsters involved in hauling the vehicles out of these lots and airports that they got them stockpiled in. I don't think replacement workers will work too well because uh, where are they going to put the cars and the trucks on the roofs of the plants? I don't know. But uh, we, we really need to start talking about solidarity in the truest sense bringing all our brothers and sisters in solidarity, all hardworking union workers and non-union workers, and bring them together for the good of this country because we are being savaged out there as far as the middle class. And uh, the government's forgotten us. Uh, You'll hear the rhetoric come up here now that we're coming into uh, another two-year cycle and and a general election for presidency in 2020. But we, we we need to get serious as workers, and we need to stick together, and that that's going to be important, I think, Leroy. Absolutely, Tom, absolutely. Uh, the uh, Taft-Hartley uh, Act prevents secondary uh, boycott, uh, so you can do it to your own company, but you can't uh, uh, boycott a, uh, or strike. Uh, strike a a, uh, a third company, and otherwise the president comes in with a, a return to work order for everybody, and uh, that's happened as you know in steel mills, right? Yep. Back in the in in the coal mines, back in the 40s and the 50s, they did it. I mean Truman did it. So you know that this is some history, folks. This isn't just you know blowing here to hear ourselves talk. We're giving you a little history. Truman ordered uh, the steel workers and the coal miners back to work. Okay? 
because it was affecting the national uh, economy, interstate commerce. So just know that that could that could happen if even if we go out on strike. Uh, they're going to try and replace us without a question. So, but we'll get support from other unions. So, you know, they don't have to necessarily stand there with, with, uh, you know, picket signs at their job. They can just put the wobble on. You know, and say, "Oh God, the train broke down today." You know, or look at that wheel just fell off of that truck. Darn. You know that there's all kind of stuff that can happen. You know, so um, we're not. You know suggesting that that happened, but, you know, uh, we're going to support one another best we can, and everybody gets this as a big, big negotiations. So uh, with that said, let me get into what Mary didn't say a little bit. Of course, she was wearing green, and we already heard about that, uh, and I don't think it's because when I, I'm an MSU's Spartan and light green. Pretty sure that was green for another reason. Uh, and everything that these people did was scripted to the last thread of clothing they were wearing. Believe me. Believe me. So uh, what she didn't say, she talked about uh, the future. But what she didn't say is that uh GM recently had $22 billion in cash, and they put a little over $10 billion in the research and development and um, uh, ramping up of electric cars and autonomous cars. Now, shame on General Motors, because in 1996, okay, I was walking through the plant as a temporary staff person, and I was pulled off to the side by the uh, plant manager who had just got off of leave, uh, sabbatical leave to go and, and work at the American Society of Engineers. He was the president of that as an engineer. He's now teaching at a university in, I think, North Carolina. Uh, but he was the president of American Society of Engineers for most of the year 1996. Now, that's a while ago, so some of you are going to just tune out because of that, but you ought to tune in because I'm going to tell you what he, what he told me. And I've said this before, but I want you to know it now. Okay. He said, I asked him, what's the biggest thing you learned? He says, I uh, learned a lot of stuff, but the most notable thing is that we will run out of atmosphere before we run out of oil. So all the oil price machinations that you see up and down are mostly uh, just created to make more money. As you look, you know, Exxon's been in the top uh, of the corporation revenue for many, many years. It's not at the top now. I think it, we talked about it earlier. It was Amazon and, and uh, what, uh, Microsoft and Walmart, I guess, yep. is there. Walmart, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apple's been in and out uh, there as well. And, of course, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, the, the Warren Buffett thing. So um, the uh, whole whole notion that uh, 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 these uh, uh, corporate uh, 
entities stay at the top all the time is is just not necessarily so. Um, but uh, uh, the uh, thing that uh, also Mary uh, uh, didn't say is that the transition, the transition that we're going to make into uh, the, you know, obviously the $10 billion is being spent on, on autonomous cars and electric cars, but that transition is going to take them into being the leader of electric and autonomous vehicles. Okay? Now, what that means is if they're the leader and there's few others in competition, they could well recapture market share for personal vehicles. Okay? They could well recapture market share for personal vehicles. In other words, their, their high point, I think it was 52%. If they got back to 52% of personal vehicles, then just General Motors is going to be in really good shape. Okay, so that's the roll of the dice that they're making right now. Okay, and we understand that. That's why I was saying our leadership understands that. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. In this transition, you're not going to trash everybody that gets in the way of your transition. Because you still need us. All the skill sets that need to be in place, you need to be saying to our leadership so they can get our folks re-educated if necessary in order to do those jobs. And those classes need to be starting now. So that's one of the things that needs to be on the table as we look to the future. Okay? You see, General Motors spent a lot of cash on these autonomous vehicles. And there's a reason that they're not at the top anymore, because they gave up market share. And since Roger Smith, I mean, Alfred Sloan had a, had a I want everybody to stand this. The reason General Motors got to the top is because of Alfred Sloan. Yeah, he had managers around him all around the place. He was the top financial officer. He was charged in, in, in financially constructing an organization that would be strong, vibrant for as far as time could, could see. And his model had General Motors on average growing 4% every year. Okay, sometimes it was six, seven, or eight. Sometimes it was two. But on average, he attained his goal while he was chief financial officer in charge of all things money regarding the corporation. That means expansion, ever more jobs, ever more products being built, stronger middle class, the wage base was there because they had higher profits, higher profit, you know, more profit centers. 
Okay, they just gave up a profit center in Lordstown and trying to give away an electric truck to workhorse. You can only give so much work away before you no longer exist. Roger Smith is wrong. Roger Smith was wrong and continues to be wrong today, even in his demise. He started shrinking the corporation, and everybody else followed his lead. They shrunk the corporation in order to make profit. Now they shrunk it so much that there's more, there's fewer active workers than there are retirees. That's not a problem of the retirees or the active workers. That's a function of a management decision that made that wanted to shrink the corporations. Especially General Motors Corporation. The Roger Smith model is wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay? I tell you this. Vertical integration worked for Henry Ford. If vertical integration is one of the best systems for a corporation, the ones that are currently vertically integrated are the most successful ones. LOC. It's um, enterprises, I think, operations. Uh, LOC operations. They're vertically integrated. They produce military vehicles. Very successful. From pillar to post, they do the work. Nobody's outsourced nothing. They're very, very successful. They're hiring skilled workers at a rate they can't even fill them. They need so many of them. Okay? Those people that are, those companies that are vertically integrated work. The idea that you outsource things, you gave up profit centers. And now when you're outsourcing whole vehicle model lines, you're giving up product. It took too long and too hard of effort in order for Detroit to be known as one of the Detroit, or GM to be known as one of the Detroit Three, because they survived some 160 other car companies. Competition is stiff. Mary alluded to this when she said, we know competition is stiff. We've talked about it on this radio show. I'm glad she spoke about it, but she didn't tell you why, okay, because why would you give away an electric truck when your whole model is going to be to capture the market for electric vehicles, period? Why would you give it away? You know, if you stop giving it away, maybe we'll believe in you. But right now you're not doing such a good job of making us believers. I hearken back to 1995 during the National Pell, I was in the National Pell Program, National Paid Education Leave, where we went up and down the eastern seaboard to all the Ivy League schools, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Boston. And I was in that program with a gentleman that was the president of Anderson, uh, Indiana, plant called... Uh, Magna Quench. 
as I recall. It was the leading company owned totally by General Motors in the world with magnet engines, magnetic engines. And they sold that to the Red Chinese for a pittance in order to be able to do business in China. They gave away future technology, leading edge on the future technology regarding magnet engines, sold it for a pittance in order to do business in China. That president was red hot and spoke more vehemently than I am about selling his company to the Red Chinese. And they closed it and sent all the work over there. It's being done and researched and, and perfected as we speak. And we have no access to it because all of that's been sold for a pittance, relative pittance. So when you stop giving stuff away, General Motors, we'll start believing that you really want to be an auto company. Growth under Alfred Smith, Alfred Sloan, was a great thing. Shrinking under Roger Smith is horrible. Changing from vertical or largely vertical, vertically integrated to outsourced work and uh, not just uh, outsourced to local companies, but out, uh, outsourced to uh, Mexico and offshored all around, not just China. I mean, it's the, people need to stop picking on China so much. China's one of many that they've offshored to. Now, I stand ready to tell you, because I talk to a lot of them, the second and third tier companies, the workers there stand ready to be re-insourced to the General Motors umbrella, General Motors Ford and Chrysler umbrella, national agreement of their national umbrella, but national umbrella of the national agreement, okay? They stand ready. The only thing, the only concern they have is that when they get insourced, re-insourced or, you know, insourced back into the corporate structure, even if they're, you know, known as um, another company, I don't want to get into names, if they're doing business, Mary said, they're you know they're responsible for 26 percent of the of the investment in in uh, OEM equipment, original equipment, original uh, manufacture. Okay, original equipment manufacture. Twenty, they're they're responsible in the nation for 26 percent. That isn't because they did it. It's because companies that supply them did it. So that's what she didn't say. Okay, she said, yeah, we're responsible for it. Well, maybe you could be totally responsible for it if you insourced all that work. The only issue those employees have is when they get insourced, they want to retain their seniority date and seniority status. The only thing they want, and they want to pay commensurate to that. So insource them. Now, what does that do? Well, you got to pay a little more money. You've got to pay more people. 
greater profit center. Uh oh, more more money for the corporation. Just not at twenty percent. Might only be at you know twelve percent. But guess what? It's still profit and it's growth. Growth. And there are agreements for us, current General Motors, former workers and workers, there are agreements that have allowed, in the case of uh, Packard Electric, later Delphi, those folks were brought in with their seniority dates in large part. Some of them didn't get it all, but a lot of them did. So there is the ability to have that. Uh, occur that they can bring those back in, and then you start having everything uh, vertically integrated. Again, that's you know, yeah, it's more of a profit center, costs you a little more money, but the profit still comes with it. Doesn't go to these third-party companies, right? Okay, and guess what else? You have absolute control over quality that you gave up when you sent all that work to other sources. That's what Henry's the value that Henry Ford saw. And if they have a secondary strike, they don't shut you down like the DeSoto brothers did with their brakes. Ford got mad at him and said, I'll, I'll build it all in house. Yeah, that's a great plan. It's a great plan. General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, when you stop outsourcing and you stop giving work away and you stop uh, offshoring, then you got our attention. When you start growing these companies and getting market share back, not just GM, Ford, and FCA that we, the UAW represents, okay, it's almost, in, you know, I, I we'd like to have Volkswagen, but then, you know, in a lot of ways, if GM, Ford, and Chrysler take over the autonomous and electric vehicle markets, did you really want them anyhow? Because you'd have to deal with all that heartache when they go away because they're not up to speed. And they're not going to be building electric and autonomous vehicles because, you know, according to Mary, she's going to corner the market. And, of course, the big Detroit Three, they have Me Too clause in all of what they do. Me Too. So we'll do it, too. Right. So it's us against the world. Right? That's correct. We, we collectively need to push our corporations in ways that they might not even understand into being better corporations. And the only way they can do that is keep high-quality people on the assembly lines and the skilled trades ranks, support organizations. We're the best in the world, and they better start understanding it. Let's get back to vertically integrated, resource these things, get back to the Alfred Sloan model, and start divorcing Roger Smith and watch and see what happens.
Okay. Well, uh, anything on Jeff? You got anything on Mary? What she said or didn't say? I don't trust anything she says, Leroy. I'll second She's that. on top. She's on top of I'm the ladder. And yeah. Yeah. The day after the negotia- negotiations opened, I want everybody to understand this. Supervisors at General Motors were instructed to start talking about members about the union issues and the and the contract. When they introduced all of those people that follow Mary like little goslings into the room, one of them was introduced as workplace strategies. That was that person's job. I'm going to call call the person out, but you can see it in the video. Workplace strategies. Okay. Do you think it's workplace strategies to make our life better or their life better or to get rid of us? So pay attention to what we're saying. Supervisors have been instructed to talk to you, and for one of the purposes, because of new National Labor Relations rulings, they might be collecting information to simply decertify our union. Pay attention to what we're saying here. Do not talk to management about your union, period. Call your committee person and tell them that you were approached by a supervisor on the issue of whatever they talk to you about the union or the contract. Do not talk to them. And Please do not talk to them in a way that's negative about our union. We have a lot of problems, but without it, boy, I tell you, I, I, I would not want to be without our union. We'll fix the problems. They're being fixed. Other parties are going to handle that. But for now... And in the foreseeable future, do not talk to management. You do what you want to do. But if you do, you're jeopardizing your job and your wage base. Okay? So the suggestion is do not talk to management. All right? So do you trust Mary Barra? Jeff got it. He he nailed it. The first thing out of his mouth, and Tom... Seconded it. Yeah. Anything else, Jeff? No. I just don't trust anybody who in management has in a higher pay grade. Don't trust any of them. Right. Never have, never will. Right. Okay. Tom, do you got anything to say about Mary's statements or anything? No, uh, not really. You hit you hit all the points, and uh, and I seconded what uh, Jeff said. Uh, don't don't trust her as far as uh, I can see down the line, because uh, from what I understand here locally in my hometown, we promised her the moon, and she gave us uh, a spot in hell someplace for most of our members here going to all 
four corners of the of the country and splitting families up. So I, I can't trust a person like that that has no regard for uh, a human being and what she's doing to him. Right. Okay. Uh, on that note, um, briefly, you know, we've had a number of issues with our members uh, committing suicide over this. Well, you know, ostensibly over this. Nobody knows for sure why somebody commits suicide. But if you, wherever you are in our corporations, are having an issue and you're really distraught about it, please reach out. Reach out to your coworkers. There are places on these pages set up to listen and, and help you, direct you to the people that are professionals that will help you. If you feel the need, get a hold of somebody. Talk to somebody, okay? So we know that there's a lot of stress out there. Families are apart. That's never good. People are moving to new areas. That's never good. Those of you recipients of these people, you need to be more responsive to their needs, more than what you've been doing. I know you've been doing okay, but you got to start some programs for these new people. So they got some place that they can go to to even socialize. They don't know where to even go socialize, where they can talk to people in their situation about those problems. There's several pages out there about the, you know, being transferred to here and there. Please, if, if you're not on them and you're going to that facility, look for them. You know, Fort Wayne, Adam Wentzville, Spring Hill, God, everything. We're going to have a new one for Lansing soon. So please just, you know, get on these pages and talk to one another about the local issues that you're having, things you might need, even where, what hotel to stay at, all kinds of things. Okay, just, you know, if you need help, just ask. All right. So, uh, and you know, there's there's people out here that can direct you to the right place. You know, we've got a lot of experience. You know, we talked about 80 between Jeff and I. Add another 30 some, maybe 30 at General Motors, but another 20 work life experience. So another 50. So now we're talking 130 years, right, between the three people on this show right now. We don't have all the answers, but the ones we don't have, we'll get for you because we know where to go get them. Okay, so with that, let's uh, wrap this up. We've got about five minutes. So, uh, Jeff, you got anything to say? Uh, anything? Just the board announced that there will be uh, shutting down the plant in Canada that makes the uh, edge and a, the uh, flex vehicle. Well, I believe that's in Ontario. 
that just came out this weekend. Okay. So Are they some, bringing it into the United issue. States? Where are they going to put it? I didn't really have an article. It just had a highlight. Um, okay. But I will try to find it. Okay. Well, it would be nice if we knew where it was going. Uh, so uh, as we can report those out. You know, if they're bringing them back to the United States, that's a good thing. So it's us against the world, right? Uh, Tom, you got anything else to say? Anything issue? Any issue? No, no, no real issues. And uh, once again, a pretty good show. Uh, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to contribute in any shape, manner, or form. And hopefully, working together with the, the folks out there that are listening and uh, working hard every day in the plant virtually no thanks from these large corporations. They just want to take, 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 and not give back or reward the employees for for a, a job well done. But uh, I'll wrap up by saying thanks, Jeff, and thanks, Leroy, for what you do uh, with these programs uh, for a long time now. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I do find value in them, as well as a number of my friends out there that uh, – listen to you on a regular basis. Thanks again for a great show tonight, both of you. Yeah, well, thanks for being on, Tom. I, I didn't miss your hand this, this week, <laughs> so we uh, appreciate it. Uh, along some of those lines uh, that Tom and Jeff alluded to, um, you know, the solid area that's required during this time is just, you know, manifest. I mean, the, the better we stick together, in support of the national teams, the better off we're all going to be. We need that solidarity. We can show that every week with Red Shirt Wednesday, but it's not just about us in the UAW or any other union workers. This is about workers in America. So let's expand it. You know, I mean, if you have your neighbors wearing red shirts, that's also pretty good. You know, so uh, it'd be kind of cool if we had red shirts every Wednesday to the point where the whole country's wearing them, saying, you know, we're out here, we vote, we participate, and we're pretty fed up, and we're standing together, four square, for workers. Red Shirt Wednesday's a big deal, folks. So if you can get your head around it, you know, try and wear your red shirt on Wednesday. It really does show solidarity, and it makes them nervous. Okay, you want to talk to management? Show them your red shirt on Wednesday, right? Okay, well, that's about all I have to say. So uh, everybody's had their opportunity tonight. I hope everybody listening uh, enjoyed the show and found value in the show. If you did, just tell one other person. Numbers are growing crazy. Numbers are going crazy. We've got 90 seconds here. We want almost two hours. So I'm going to say good night, listeners, around the globe, around North America, Mexico, Canada, all the union and non-union in the United States. Appreciate your listening. We hope you found value in this. I'll say good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff and Tom. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Good night.